As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. Our beloved closed the door on the 2014 season on Sunday, and on Monday they closed the book on the most disappointing tenure in team history when GM Phil Emery and head coach Mark Tressman were shown the door. What does Larry D. think of these changes, and where does he think the Bears go from here? All of this and so much more on the Week 17 Review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. It went down about the way we thought it would go, and when I say it, I mean, well, just about everything, actually. We thought the Bears would suck their way to a loss on Sunday, and they did. Uh, 13-9 to loss to the Minnesota Vikings to close out this extremely disappointing 2014 season. Uh, a team that I thought would go, you know, 10-6, and 11-5, finished 5-11, and including losing their last five games of the season. And, um, you know, then uh, it, the other it being the, um, the hammer falling on Mark Tressman. And I, I want to say that I was surprised that Phil Emery was fired. Obviously, the, the reasons for firing him are extremely justifiable. Um, hiring Tressman to begin with, hiring him over, uh, Bruce Arians, which obviously is a huge mistake. Um, just, you know, signing of Jay Cutler uh, and all the other, um, you know, the bad draft choices that he made uh, and so on. So, I mean, obviously there were plenty of reasons to justify a firing of Phil Emery. Um, but just based on, you know, the team's history, I didn't think that it would go that high. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it actually went a little bit higher because Ted Phillips has kind of been relieved of his duties as on the football side of things. He, he did not lose his job. He's still, I guess, president of the team, but his responsibilities will side more on the business aspect of the football team and not so much on the um, uh, football side uh, of the organization. Uh, I guess he's been relieved of those duties and such. So I guess my little prediction or you know prophecy, if you want, that I've been hearing that it could go as high as Ted Phillips uh, as far as the hammer coming down. Uh, in a way, it came true. Uh, Phil Emery is gone, um, a disappointing three-year tenure uh, as the general manager of the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, you guys heard me say several times on this show, in Phil Emery, I trust. I mean, after that first year coming in that first season, working with Lovey, going and getting you know like I, and i said it before you guys have heard if you've listened to the show i really thought that phil emery was one of those guys that was that had his finger on the pulse of the fan base like he you know not that he was looking to us for his cues on what to do 
but it's like the moves that he made correlated with what we as fans thought and and like these are obvious things like if the fans can see them then this is probably what does need to be fixed like the fact that we haven't had a number one receiver since uh marty booker and jeff graham uh back in the 90s or curtis conway uh uh, you know uh, curtis conway and jeff graham and then marty booker um you know in the early 2000s uh, and such, uh, and everything there. You know, it's been a long time. So we had one, so we went out and we got, uh, you know, Brandon Marshall and then doubled down on Alshon Jeffrey. Those were two brilliant moves he made in his first offseason, drafting Shea McClellan. But, you know, that's that kind of thing is going to happen. Basically, McClellan and, and Jeffrey are the only ones left from his first draft only two years ago. You know, this is only his third draft, but the 2012 draft class, Alshon Jeffrey's the only one that's going to stay. And Shane McClellan, if he's back next year, I'll be surprised. Uh, he's got one year left on his rookie contract. He would probably be gone um, once the new general manager and such uh, is hired. So, um, you know, like I said, lots of reasons to let Phil Emery go, but based on the team history, I didn't think they would, to be honest with you, uh, you know. Jerry Angelo survived more than one coach, so I thought maybe they'd do the same thing with, uh, with, uh, with Phil Emery. But, you know, they held him accountable for the mistakes made by the organization, like hiring a lame, dumb co- lame duck coach who, uh, who lost the locker room more than halfway or less than halfway through the season and just seemed to regress week after week after week after week. So... The interesting thing to me about Black Monday was that it actually was announced first that Emery was fired, and then about 20, 30 minutes later, Tressman's announcement came through that, uh, you know, like maybe the, the McCaskies held, you know, had the meeting separately and had the press release go out the moment that the, the meeting with Phil Emery was done. Boom, go ahead and t- alert the press. Mark, come on in here. Mark, thank you for what you've done. I don't think we've made the progress. You're fired. Best to you in the future. All right, go ahead and tell the press Mark Trestman is done kind of thing. You know, maybe that's uh, how uh, how it went down. But I thought it was kind of weird that they didn't announce them together because um, the New York Jets made the exact same move that the Bears did uh, on Monday. They fired their general manager and their head coach, John Idzik and, and Rex Ryan, uh, who's been looked upon as a future candidate for the Bears. Um doesn't have an interview scheduled with the Bears yet. I do know that he's scheduled to talk to Atlanta and San Francisco, but not yet with the Bears. So hopefully that uh, that we at least have a sit-down with him because if I had to pick, honestly, it would be between him and Shanahan uh, as far as, like, who do you want to have because, and I'll get to why in a, in a minute, but um, they announced the firings co- consecutively. Like, they, they announced together both general manager John Itzik and head coach Rex Ryan out the door, whereas the Bears, Phil Emery is gone. 20, 30 minutes later, Mark Tressman is gone. So, you know, obviously this is um, this is a, a sad day. I mean, I went so far on Facebook as to say that while I was pleased to see that the organization was taking decisive action, it's still disappointing that it's come to this um, you know, only a couple of years removed from 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 letting go, uh, letting go a coach that 
you know, I don't want to say he didn't deserve it, but it was just, and, and I was talking to my dad about this yesterday, actually, and it was, it was more, the way that I looked at the firing of Lovey Smith was kind of how people looked at the firing of his mentor, Tony Dungy. Now, Tony Dungy was down in Tampa Bay for, you know, five, six years, turned it from a crap organization into one of the pillars of the NFC at the time. You know, got them. They were division champs. They were getting to the playoffs, NFC championship game. You know, were only a touchdown away from beating the Rams in 99 and going to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's like he got them there, but couldn't get them past that point. So Tony Dungy was let go. They brought in John Gruden. John Gruden provided the missing piece. The Buccaneers win a championship. Now, that is kind of how, um, well, at least – uh, you know, Lovey Smith was kind of the Tony Dungy half of that scenario. He, you know, the Bears weren't consistently winning, but we were consistently competitive. The defense always kept us in the game. We just couldn't get over the hump offensively and score enough points uh, to win enough games to get us to the uh, to get us to the, to the to the promised land to get us to a championship. And the Bears brought in a coach, an offensive-minded coach that was supposed to basically fill in the gaps of what Lovey left behind and help the Bears take the next step. Because Mark Tressman was not brought in to help fix a rebuilding situation. He was come he's come in to pick up where Lovey left off. And not only has he not done that, but the organization is way worse off than it was before Mark Tressman took over. I mean it's it has gone to the point where it looks stupid that we let Lovey go. You know, if this is what we were subjected to after letting go of Lovey, because Lovey's tenure was not a bad tenure. Um, you know, he's number three behind Ditka and Papa Bear as far as successful head coaching tenures for the Chicago Bears. Lovey is up there in, in a on a charter member of the NFL, 90 years in the NFL and, and so on. Lovey is number three on a on a, you know, on a pretty big list. Lovey's number three. You know, he was successful. He took the Bears to a Super Bowl. He almost won us a championship. You know, he did every, just about everything you could ask except bring the damn trophy home. And moving on from Lovey was supposed to be the Bears taking the next step to bringing the trophy home. And now we're far worse off than we were before Lovey came. And, you know, with as, as about an uncertain future as there could be, in the NFL right now, and that's uh, that was not what was supposed to happen when we cut a guy like Lovey loose. So, you know, I know that all of us were kind of singing the praises of Mark Tressman uh, a year ago because he did come in, he did provide a spark with the offense. We had the best offense in the league aside from an offense that set NFL records, you know, an all-time great NFL offense in the Denver Broncos in 2013. You know, if only we had the 2012 defense to go with the 2013 offense, you know, we would have run through just about everybody in the NFC uh, last year. So it would have been – that would have been a hell of a football team to see. But, um, you know, unfortunately – you know, when Lovey left, he took his defense with him. So uh, the offense was good enough to keep us competitive, but the defense couldn't keep the other team out of the end zone. So we lost half of our football games. But it was kind of viewed as a season of progress, especially considering that, um, you know, we were in the last game of the season. We could have won a division championship. And, uh, 
you know, we hadn't done that in a couple of years with Lovey on board. And, um, you know, we, um, you know, we did make so much progress, even without our starting quarterback, the, the, you know, it did not regress. So of course that was a huge feather in in Tressman's cap, the way that Josh McCown played. And when Cutler went down with that, with the, the groin injuries and, and, uh, and whatnot, that yeah we're on the right track here we just shore up that defense and we're going to have ourselves a hell of a football team and then that just did not happen uh this year so the defense did not improve although we uh compared to last year improved dramatically uh against the run we couldn't stop anybody through the air and gave up the most points per game in team history and oh man anyway despite all this jibber jabber about mark tressman and uh, Phil Emery getting fired. We do have a little bit of business to discuss as far as what the Bears did on Sunday. So what do you say we go ahead and get that out of the way and talk about this game quickly? The Bears and the Vikings, week number 17. The last time the Bears visited TCF Bank Stadium in Minnesota, the Bears won the division in 2010 and put an end to Brett Favre's career as a sack from Corey Wooten was the last play that that Brett Favre would, uh, the last snap that Brett Favre would take uh, in the National Football League. He'd missed the last two games of the season uh, after that. So, um, unfortunately, this visit to TCF Bank was not as much fun. Or any fun, quite frankly. This is probably one of the more boring football games that I've watched. You'll hear me talk about it in the uh, in one of the knee jerk reactions as to uh, you know my my amazement as how bored I was despite how close the game actually turned out to be as far as the scoreboard uh, was concerned. But um, you know you'll hear me talk about it in the first quarter knee jerk reaction that uh, you know Jay Cutler's out there, but. Um, you couldn't really tell that uh, there was anything on the line by the way that the, we were playing. Knee-jerk reaction in the first quarter of the Bears and the Vikings. And, um, yeah, could be one of the most least entertaining first quarters we've had this year, and that's difficult considering the year that we've had uh, thus far. The offense has come out. Stop me if you've heard this before uninspired and uh, don't really look like they care. Uh, Led, of course, by Jay Cutler, who's uh, dinking and dunking his way down the field like he's afraid to make a mistake. The one decent throw he tried to put downfield, he nearly got picked off on uh, third down just before the end of this last drive. Um, The Vikings thought they had a pretty awesome touchdown pass on their hands, but it turns out Greg Jennings let the ball touch the ground first. They, in turn, you know, converted that uh, later on into a uh, field goal, which is where we sit right now, uh, three to nothing. The defense looks like they came into play, even though they gave up the drive for the field goal. Uh, Jared Allen nearly had an interception, uh, depending on uh, how uh, whoever number 12 is gets there. It could have been a pick six kind of situation. It would have been like a one-handed uh, grab type thing, but uh, he couldn't come down with it. Aside from that, nothing really to report on. I mean, the first quarter just kind of flew by, which I guess is a good thing, since uh, we want this thing over with as soon as humanly possible. But uh, we enter the second quarter. We're down by three, and Minnesota has got the football. <laughs> 
And that's pretty much how the Bears handled the entire football game. Uh, Jay Cutler comes out, like I said, dinking and dunking. Uh, I think I mentioned in, in either one in, in, in one of the other knee-jerk reactions, the Bears look like they're playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win, uh, which is ridiculous considering that all Coach Tressman could talk about all week long was we're focused on winning the game. We're focused on winning the game. And then you come out playing conservative and timid and afraid, if, if, if anything. The only thing the Bears were aggressive about was getting the ball in Matt Forte's hands. Um, you know, they, they were out there, uh, even though, uh, you know, Tressman went on record as saying, well, we're, we're not going out there just to set, you know, to help Forte break those records. We're, if that happens during the course of the football game, then great. But we're focused on winning. We're focused on winning, really. Well, Jay attempted like seven passes in the first quarter, and six of them went to Forte. So, yeah, they're focused on winning. It's anyway, um, you know, it was just disappointing to watch. It was boring uh, to watch, and the second quarter really wasn't that much different. Knee-jerk reaction to the second quarter: the Bears and the Vikings, and we've got a barn burner on our hands, kids. It is three to three at halftime here. Uh, the Bears were just as equally uh, unentertaining and uh, you know boring uh, with their offensive play calling in the in the second quarter as they were in the first. Uh, no real shots downfield. It's almost like we're playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win this game, which is all Tressman has been blab- blabbing about this week. We're we're just focused on winning. It's all the guy has said all week long, and then we come out and lay a huge turd in the first half as in not trying to do anything to look like we're trying to win the football game. But uh, we managed to uh, score a field goal, and the defense is actually doing a decent job uh, keeping Minnesota uh, at bay uh, for the time being. So, But this has always been a team that has found a way uh, lately anyway to blow it in the second half. So we'll see how it goes in the final 30 minutes. As we go to the half, the Bears will kick it off, actually. We started with the football. We'll kick it off to start the third quarter. So despite the fact that we were in the football game like we were last week against Detroit, a much better football team, there was no enthusiasm, no excitement. And, you know, you heard me say, uh, as I mentioned right before the knee-jerk reaction, that the Bears came out looking like they were playing not to lose instead of playing to win, despite Tressman saying all week long, we're focused on winning. Well, whatever. So, I mean, it... The Bears come back out uh, in the third quarter, and, you know, and and the level it's just it's like the Bears just came apart, just about every possible way that they could. I mean, it's not like they played any worse in the second half than they did in the first. It was very much an even keel, like the Bears just plateaued. Uh, you know, it it didn't get worse as the game went along. It didn't get better as the game went along. It just kind of went along the same string and. You know, you've heard me say it a thousand times already this year, but it just looked like we had a bunch of people playing through to get the game over with. Not that you could really blame the guys considering the year that it's been and uh, and everything, uh, especially with the decisions looming, uh, not only for the coaching staff, but for for everybody else. There's going to be a lot of decisions made about the roster, who stays and who goes uh, and everything as we we move along. But... um, you know, it's uh, you know they just look like they 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 didn't care out there, and and to say that about any professional football team is pathetic. Let alone a team with I mean, there's like like it was there was no pride, there's no 
no heart. It's like you are Chicago Bears, God damn it. You are Chicago Bears, charter members of this league. You guys are the foundation of the league. Without you, there wouldn't be an NFL. The guy that founded this team founded the league that employs you. It's, you know, that alone should make you want to go out there and represent uh, on Sunday. So, uh, you know, forget about personal pride. How about some pride for the organization that chose you, you know, and put you out there that, that makes it possible for you to live the dream that millions will never get a chance to fulfill. But instead, you just got a bunch of guys out there wearing the uniform and collecting the money. So, um, well, in the third quarter, that's where things started to go awry for the Bears as uh, Minnesota did the one thing the Bears couldn't do all day, and that was score a touchdown. Major action to the third quarter, the Bears and the Vikings. And um, after a nice interception from Kyle Fuller that was initially called a touchdown, uh, getting called back as a knee touched the ground after Teddy Bridgewater got a fingernail tackle on him there. The Bears failed to get into the end zone, uh, turn it into a field goal to make it 6-3. to three. The Vikings come right back with a touchdown of their own. Uh, a guy who was on the practice squad for 90% of his NFL career, wide open down the sideline uh, for the easiest touchdown Minnesota's probably scored all season. They're up 10-6, to six and... Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, the Bears, uh, again, unimpressive, unimaginative as far as play calling is concerned. Minnesota's all over the screen pass that Tressman keeps calling. Uh, and when they're not calling that, it's, uh, you know, crossing routes that are congesting up the middle of the field where nobody is open and all of a sudden either Jay is getting sacked or he's got to run uh, the football himself. So uh, one positive thing that's happened today, Matt Forte has uh, rushed for enough yards to put him over 1,000. He's caught enough passes to have a hundred so now he just needs to get a couple of more catches if he wants to set the uh all-time season uh, single season uh, record for receptions by a running back so he's got the entire fourth quarter to do that as the bears trail in the last quarter of this god-awful season 10 to 6 and that's kind of where you knew that the season was done that the, the, the bears had had nothing left in the tank was when kyle fuller came up with that interception uh, he made a great play on Greg Jen- I believe it was Greg Jennings. It was Greg Jennings or Cordero Patterson, one of the two. Um, you know, he, he makes a great play, very similar to the one that he made on Crabtree in San Francisco week number two. Uh, and speaking of interceptions, it was the first one that Kyle Fuller's had since week three because the, the announcer said it was his fourth pick of the year. Well, he got two in San Francisco, and then he had the one against the Jets week number three. In week 17, he gets number four. So he was on a 14-week drought uh, with the interceptions he finally got one and and actually the 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 way that the play f- unfolded was initially um when fuller was uh, tackled quote unquote tackled by bridgewater uh he kept in motion to where it didn't look like he was tackled kept going uh gets to the about the two or three yard line and uh, you know runs into a couple of vikings and then the defense kind of gets behind him pushes him into the end zone for the touchdown um, you know, so it's like we had that touchdown taken from us upon review. A couple of plays later, Jay throws a touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey that uh, was ruled a touchdown, even though Jeffrey only got one foot in. Upon review, it was reversed, so the Bears had to settle for the field goal. But here we are. We have a drive that starts at the nine-yard line. 
deep in enemy territory. We're inside the 10-yard line. Despite the way that we've played on offense this year with the level of inconsistency, the Bears somehow were still like third in the league on touchdown percentage in the red zone, and we couldn't get the ball in the end zone. So, you know, that's kind of where you knew right there that this team has nothing left. You know, Mark Trestman has no tricks in the bag. He didn't try to pull anything fancy. You know, if if it wasn't uh, a straight pass, it was a drop. It was a, a screen to play of some sort, which nearly got picked off a handful of times, uh, for, you know, just because the Vikings saw it coming just about every time. Uh, you know, Forte uh, ran for almost nothing in this football game. Uh, he ended up with uh, only, uh, let's see, Forte 51 yards on 17 carries. So the Bears ran the ball. But, uh, you know, 51 yards for Forte. He had a long of nine uh, on the day. However, he did catch eight balls for 23 yards. He A combined <laughs> eight catches for 23 yards. So, you know, spoiler alert that those eight catches gave him 102, which was the amount of catches he needed to break the single season um receptions record for a running back he got 102 receptions this year 101 was the record held by larry centers in 1995 but uh you know yeah it's uh you know forte was was uh was snubbed as far as uh you know his production but i told my buddy ross who was watching the game with me that uh you know, he's the MVP on offense by default just because everyone else at one time or another was awful. I mean, Forte had his moments of awfulness, that fumble against Carolina week number five. Uh, you know, he had some – he doesn't turn the ball over much, but when he does, it's like, boy, does he pick a moment to turn the ball over. Wow. But, uh, you know, the last thing we needed in that Carolina game completely put the momentum in that – that's a game that we should have won. We should have beat Carolina. And had we done that, Carolina wouldn't be in the playoffs right now. But, uh, man, anyway, um, but like I said, that's when I knew that the Bears were done. We we had that awesome re- that interception, that great play from Fuller, gets it inside the 10-yard line, and we got nothing. We got absolutely nothing. So uh, fourth quarter, more of the same. Uh, you know, the Bears just uh, – just rode out the streak and, and got the season over with. Knee-jerk reaction to the Bears and the Vikings. After four quarters, it's finally over. Uh, not only just the game, which was a complete snooze fest. I mean, what a what a boring game. My buddy's sitting here with me saying that I've never been so bored by a game so close. At the end, the Bears had a chance to, to drive the field to uh, to try to you know win the football game and it was one step forward two steps back as we uh you know we go ahead and and jay cutler gets like 25 yards on on first down from the three yard line and then goes on and uh we have false start penalties uh from alshon jeffrey jermont bushrod it's just one thing after another the bears basically ran in place and ran out the clock there got stopped on downs and minnesota runs out the clock by kneeling the football uh down so i mean it's just been an absolute disaster um, of a season, and the game sucked. It was boring, you know, just I'm glad it's over, you know. It really pisses me off to say I'm glad the season is over. As a football fan, as a Bear fan, I've never once had a chance to say that, and I'm saying it today. So the 
well with this team. I'm glad it's over. Tressman's getting fired tomorrow. We can go on from 2015 and see what happens then. <laughs> so with this team, I'm, like I said, to hell with this team. I'm just the 2014 Bears. I'm done with them. It's over with. So, you know, it's it's done. You know, they're over with. They they finish out the year exactly the way they started it, losing to a team that they're that they're they're better than the Vikings. They're better than the Bills. They're better than the Vikings. They're better than just about everybody we played this year, but we just like I said, we completely phoned in this season. And uh you know, it was no surprise when it came down that T- Tressman was gone. You know, like I told you guys last week, I I was uh wasn't 100% sure that that it was going to happen until the Aaron Cromer thing happened when that came down I figured there's no way in hell it doesn't happen now there's no way there isn't there's no way that that uh you know Mark Tressman can you know show that that complete lack of control and of his football team from the staff on down you know the the inmates were running the asylum this year to the the outburst after the Miami game uh, the fact that guys like uh, you know uh, Lance Briggs uh, and such were were going on television and talking about the difference between Tressman and Lovey and how they both ran things and how that was never going to happen under Lovey and how this wouldn't go down this way if Lovey was here and uh, you know Robbie Gold coming out and saying he couldn't figure out why that uh, you know Cutler took so much of the blame why did he get benched against the Lions and. Uh, and all that stuff. It's it, like I said. It's just a team run amok. Like nobody was out there for the team. Everyone just seemed to be out there for themselves. And if uh, they didn't get from you what they felt they needed, they weren't going to give anything extra either. That was just kind of the feeling you got from this uh, from this football team this year. This is like dead from they were DOA from the beginning. This is just a team that just wasn't prepared to play this season you know not not that they weren't ready to play in this game or that one they weren't ready to play at all this year like they should have never fielded a team with you know just looking at the way they played it was an insult to to the to the fans to the organization to the league to the sport itself that this team took the field every sunday with the intentions that they had was pathetic absolutely pathetic so Anyway, mercifully, this year is over. And thankfully, I am going to be in Cedar Rapids on Friday. Just another reminder. Uh, Friday morning from 9 to 11 Central Time, a.m., 9, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time, I will be in the, uh, the WMT studios in Cedar Rapids with our friend uh, Doug Wagner uh, to discuss this 2014 season. So thankfully... I'll be doing that so I won't have to waste my time on doing a 2014 year in review episode. So our our show on on Friday with Doug will serve at as this year's year in review show. Um you know, just so I don't have to try to put any thought into trying to pick an MVP this year when there wasn't one. You know, like Matt Forte is probably your pick as, you know, for, as a default you know, other guys that probably deserve consideration are guys like Steven Paya, uh, who had a hell of a year for us this year. Uh, you know, I guess you could talk about Kyle Long, 
who was the only lineman to, you know, well, he actually he missed one game, but he played in 15 of 16 games. You can't say that about anybody else on the offensive line this year and played with a number with a level of consistency that got him voted in this time, not as an alternate. He made it as an alternate last year. This year he was voted in, voted into the Pro Bowl, you know, showing the right progress. And, for, you know, this, I, I read somebody, I forget who it was, but somebody made the great point as to for anyone who wants to know what progress Kyle Long has made, look at how Kyle Long played against the Lions last year, 2013, how he kind of got pushed around by Indomitian Sue. His technique was kind of out the window because he was just, you know, struggling to, to keep pace with those guys. Then go back and look at Kyle Long play against the Lions on Thanksgiving and how he handled Indomitian Sue, how Indomitian Sue, Nick Fairley, those guys in the middle that went head to head with him weren't as weren't a factor in those football games. Go back and look at that. So anyway, you know, I guess if I had to pick one, I would go with Forte uh, being the most valuable player because Brandon Marshall missed him, you know, piece of the season. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey couldn't catch a ball to save his life from time to time. Uh, you know, the offensive line was a revolving door of bodies in and out because of injuries and such. You know, maybe you can make a case for Martellus Bennett, but he kind of disappeared on us after a while. You know, had that great start in the beginning, the first four weeks, then he kind of went away. Um, not, you know, to his detriment or anything, but it just, you know, he didn't have the same season as he did in the first four games of the year. However, he still had 82 catches. He may have even gone over 1,000 yards uh, this year. He still had an outstanding year. Um, but... Um, it was like nobody was making an impact this year, so it was difficult for him to make an impact uh, as well. So, you know, and nobody on the defensive side, aside from maybe a Stephen Paya, uh, Jay Ratliff when he was healthy, um, you know, because he missed a few games with a knee injury. You know, Jared Allen was a disappointment. Willie Young, I guess you could talk about Willie Young. Man, I hope that that Achilles injury that he had isn't severe. Uh, I mean, an Achilles injury is is dangerous enough. It's it's bad enough to begin with. But I hope it wasn't one of those where they basically had to go in there and reconstruct the damn thing. So he's going to be out into into the start of next year. You know, I'd really hate to see for that guy who who really got a really finally got a chance to shine uh, as a pass rusher. It was like all that time in Detroit. He seemed like a guy that was always on the cusp. He couldn't finish. Like the guy got to the quarterback more than anybody, but he could never close the deal. He was always finishing with three sacks, maybe four. And this year he had eight or nine, uh, whatever it was that he finished with. He was a better closer this year, a much better football player for us than he was for Detroit. So uh, hopefully he'll be able to come back full strength at the beginning of the season and he'll be healthy and ready to go. Cause Willie young, I want that guy on my football team. So, uh, you know, lots of questions to be answered, and only time will help provide us with those answers. Um, I don't have a bear up, bear down list. Uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to the defense. You know, Mel Tucker, you know, you got the defense to show up for the last two games. Uh, when you only give up 13 points in a football game, you're supposed to win. But um, with the way that our offense played, it was kind of like the perfect way for the offense to finish. Uh, just with how ineffective and, uh, you know, disappointing they've been for them not to score a touchdown in this football game, I think was almost poetic, uh, to be honest with you. But uh, 
The defense went out on a high note. They sacked Bridgewater a couple of times, got an interception, almost got us a you know a pick six for a touchdown. Uh, you know, Jared Allen also almost picked off Teddy Bridgewater. You heard me mention that before uh, in the knee-jerk reactions as well. You know, the defense finished strong in the last two games, but the offense being what it's been this year wasn't good enough to uh, get us victories against the Lions or the Vikings. Not that I feel it would have saved Phil Emery's job. Like I said, that's been decided since before the New Orleans game with the whole Aaron Cromer thing. But it would have put a more positive spin on, uh, you know, not left quite as sour a taste in everyone's mouth if we couldn't have got a one victory, if not two, in the last couple of games uh, this year, especially against the stinking Lions. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't go down that way. And then Monday, the hammer dropped proper on Emery and Tressman. And so the 2014 season is completely over with now. We move on to 2015. Uh, the Bears actually hired um, Ernie Corsi, the former general manager of the Colts back in the day, uh, the, the general manager of the New York Giants, um, to be the consultant to help out with this uh, with this GM head coach search. Uh, some interesting candidates for uh, for GM. One of the names that I remember off the top of my head is Mark Ross, who was I think assistant GM for the uh, for the Giants. Uh, he was actually one of the top uh, finalists for the Bears when Emery was hired, so maybe he gets a better look this time around and of course he's from the Giants so of course he might have a relationship with the guy that you know may make him the front runner um, and then on the on the coaching front you know I've seen as as small a list as three candidates to as many as 11 uh, the one with 11 names on it has all of the quote-unquote hot coordinator names on it Todd Bowles the defensive coordinator from uh, Arizona uh, Dan Quinn the defensive coordinator from uh, Seattle. Um, I forget his first name, but his last name is Gase, the offensive coordinator for the uh, Denver Broncos, um, and so on down the line there. Pep Hamilton, the offensive coordinator from the uh, Colts, who does have a history with the Bears. He was he was with the Bears uh, for a little bit. I think he was our quarterback's coach at one time. Um, you know, and then of course there are the bigger names out there. I've seen Bill Cowher on a list. I I, I I would love Bill Cower, but I I think his time as a coach has come and gone. I think that's done. Uh, Mike Shanahan uh, is on the list, and I think maybe that's a move the Bears make if we keep Cutler. If we keep Cutler, we put him. You know, we we give the we put Shanahan uh, in as the head coach, somebody that Cutler is comfortable with or has a positive history with, and you know, also Brandon Marshall. Uh, loved uh, playing for Shanahan uh, and so on. So maybe we see what happens there. Uh, the other name, the one number one on my list is Rex Ryan. That's that's who I want, you know. And I would like for once to to have that guy in the organization. Talk about a guy that was tailor made for the Bears, tailor made for Chicago. Chicago would love Rex Ryan, you know, some fire and emotion, some personality for a change. Uh, you know personality in the uh, in the press room you know the press conferences and such that's going to be a fan's dream to watch rex ryan do what he does behind the podium uh and then also you know the 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 jets finished six and ten this year 
they won their last game in Miami against the Dolphins. The Dolphins, thirty-seven to twenty-four. So, uh, you know, the 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 Jets went off on a high note. They gave him the Gatorade shower at the end. So even in the end, despite, uh, you know, they're actually I think they were four and twelve. Not, they weren't six and ten. They're like four and twelve, or something like that. But despite the year that they had, they still, the players. I mean played for for rex until the end you know and they put out all the stops 37 to 24 victory over the uh over the dolphins in miami sending rex out on a high note uh you know i think that speaks volumes as to what the bears were lacking what we really need and i think a change of scenery kind of like how uh you know uh with philadelphia and uh andy reed you know, like the the time had just come to an end in Philadelphia. Everybody needed to move on to bigger and better things. Both teams, you know, for the most part have been successful since then. You know, Andy Reid inherited the number one draft pick, so the worst team in the NFL when he took over in Kansas City. He was in the playoffs last year, um, and they they had a chance to go to the playoffs. They won their football game, which gave them the opportunity to be in but the Ravens won their game. Otherwise, you know, KC needed to win. They needed the Ravens to lose, but the Ravens won, so they were in Kansas City's on the outside looking in uh, at 9-7 and seven this year. So, so, you know, maybe it'll be a situation like that. I think this is my thought, that the Bears have painted themselves into a corner with the, with the hiring of Mark Trestman because we went out, we replaced a legitimate, uh, quote, you know, for the most part successful head coach, and Lovey Smith, and we took a chance on Mark Tressman. Hired him away from Canadian football to come in to take over the Chicago Bears to try to spice up the offense. It didn't work. Now the Bears need to do something that they have never done before. They have never hired a head coach with prior NFL head coaching experience. They've never done it before. So they've always hired a coordinator you know, somebody brand new off the street that's never been a leader of a football team before. And I think it would be a great move. That's why that's why guys like Shanahan and Cower and, you know, Rex Ryan are tops on my list. That's who the Bears need to go with. So instead of, you know, going out and taking a chance on another hot coordinator who's looking for his first opportunity, we need to go out there and make a splash with a name at the position. And I think Rex Ryan is the guy. That's my opinion. So he'll he'll definitely help us with our defensive shortcomings. And, you know, maybe he might even if he if he has to stick, if he's stuck with him, maybe he can actually draw a pulse out of Jay Cutler every once in a while to get him out there. And if not, you know damn well Rex Ryan is gonna get in Jay Cutler's face. You know, there's not gonna be this thing where you know, when he comes off the field, Rex Ryan is standing on one end of the sideline and Jay Cutler goes into the sideline on the other. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. There's going to be a conversation. It might get heated, and by God, you won't do that again when you go back out there. So that's what I want to see from our head coach. I want to see some emotion. And we just need a leader, you know, because that was so, so what the Bears were lacking this year was a leader. We did not have one. I mean, it it's... It, poetic in the fact or you know it just even spoken to more in the fact that that we didn't elect captains this year we didn't have captains so that means the team didn't have any out of you know any 
obvious leaders on the team this year, like so much to the point that we didn't elect captains this year. They went with the whole captain by committee deal. Uh, this week, these guys will go out for the coin toss. Next week, it'll be these guys uh, and everything. We didn't have captains this year. Nobody got to wear the little patch on the on the chest, the little C patch with the stars on it. Nobody got to wear that this year. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So we need we need a leader to bring to, you know, to flesh out the leaders on this football team and see where we go in 2015. Uh, we're the only team in the league to finish 5-11, and 11, and that got us the number seven overall pick in the draft. Now, I haven't gone so far as to look at mock drafts or anything like that to see where that would put the Bears. I'm not really worried about that right now. Uh, I'm more, more worried about who's going to be making those picks and what the future holds there uh, for the Bears. So um, anyway, that's going to do it for the season, for the 2014 regular season of the Chicago Bears review the week 17 review episode puts a cherry on top uh, for this year oh it's been a tough one guys it's been a tough one Uh, but we'll be back this weekend Uh, maybe I I hope to be able to post it on Friday uh, at the latest to be up on Saturday uh, because I'm going to get the file from Doug the broadcast of the show uh, that I do with Doug in, in Cedar Rapids on Friday if you can't hear it live uh, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, it's on the iHeartRadio app. It's uh, Just search WMT and it'll come right up because that's what it did when I was searching for it. Uh, it's the WMT AM 600 uh, in Cedar Rapids or you can go to the team or the, the station website, 600, the number, 600-600.WMTRadio.com and that will take you to the station uh, website. You'll be able to listen live uh, from there so doug has told me that we'll have a chance during the show to open up the phone so if you guys want to call in say hello uh take part in the, in the live show feel free to do that i'm looking forward to to hearing from you guys uh and such i'll also be monitoring the because uh, i have my phone with me i will monitor the chicago bears review facebook page um if you guys want to uh, post any questions and such there i'll be able to take a look at them and see about bringing them up during the show uh, while Doug and I are going at it from 9 to 11. So be sure to come and visit me. If not, we'll bring the show to you this weekend on Friday or Saturday and get it posted for you. So uh, until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.